Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds Warren. Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows Podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to go rate and review the podcast over on Apple Pods. Um, we haven't gotten a rating in like two weeks. Come on, guys. We need something over there. Uh, so if you haven't already, please be sure to. Um, Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. It was uh, an entertaining game last night with the uh, Timberwolves and, and Pacers just getting bucket after bucket. Um, not sure how high quality game it was, but hey, it was fun. Yeah, we'll definitely dive into that. I uh, have yeah. so many, probably less like granular stuff about the game, more uh, just how <laughs> feeling out of it. I, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, but no, I, uh, I was telling you before we got on, I mowed the lawn for the first time today. I uh, I put the screen door in. Um, mm. There's all kinds of exciting shit that you 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 start doing as an adult. So I'm I'm 23, but I feel like I'm 43. So there's there's that. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's a good day. Let me um, just say real quickly, it, it gets less and less exciting as you get, uh, you know. I see. I wasn't like, even excited about it. It was more like, <laughs> uh, I know that I just should do this now because it's like 70 today and it's only going to get higher. Yeah. So it makes my dog manage. But yeah, no, it's, a, <laughs> it's good times. Um, yeah. So as you mentioned, the uh, Pacers played a basketball game yesterday. I had multiple friends hit me up and uh, that, that were covering other teams last night and say, is that score actually the score? I was like, yes, that is actually the score. Uh, Pacers come out on top 141 to 137, uh, moving them to 23 and 27 on the year, still in the uh, illustrious nine seed, uh, just inside the play-in. Um, Tom, I guess I would ask you, before we even like try and analyze, uh, how do you even feel coming out of that game? Um, I feel like that's a good question. Because I went into the game feeling like they were so depleted and it was such a struggle to score against Chicago the night before. And it was like, you know, I don't think they're going to have a chance because Minnesota actually can get some buckets for all their problems. And the way they came out and guys were, you know, just attacking and it wasn't just like Karis LeVert going off. I mean, he was going a little early, but it was all kinds of guys active making plays. I felt great that they were ready to go <laughs> and have that in them. A lot of these guys, especially, um, you know, Sam Aaron Hall, they, 
really get going. And obviously McCollins did, but but Bataze was was active, and and so it was fun to see those guys. And I just still am dumbfounded that they throughout that whole game were able to score like that. Um, so it doesn't really do anything for me, big picture wise, with the Pacers. Um, obviously, you know, four of their starting five were out of the game and um, you know, they really missed them obviously on the defensive end. I mean, it was, it, it, I don't know how much longer that game would have had to go on, but I feel like Minnesota would eventually have, have rolled past because they were getting such easy buckets with Anthony Towns at the rim um, at the end. And, and, you know, the Pacers were able to make enough threes to hold them off, but um, you know, it, you you appreciate the individual performances that you saw, but it's just hard to take anything away from a team aspect um, just because, you know, Minnesota is what they are. And, and I don't think they're real enthusiastic about winning anyways, but um, um, I don't know. Other than that, that, that's kind of just what I took. I, I kind of just took each quarter and uh, as, as its own, um, you know, entertaining part of the game, but um, not really going to take anything long-term out of it. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's also funny too. I, so I was going to do the, uh, the post game post yesterday. Forgot to tell people about this. Yes. Uh, my dog decided it right as the first quarter was starting that he was going to knock over an entire bowl of tomato soup into my lap and uh, ruin a chair. So that was a, I, I, I do have video proof of it. It was a good time. Um, <laughs> So that's just kind of how I felt about the game overall. Um, I, I didn't know what to really take away from it other than, wow, this thing happened and I have to, you know, it, it's, it's there. Uh, not the best analogy I've ever come up with Tom, but it's uh, it, it is something um, like, I, I think looking at some of the small things that, that you can take away or individual things like um, Justin holiday finally was able to hit consistent shots tonight. Uh, I mean, he'd been wayward uh, for since the trade deadline um, and just over the last month in general, uh, I, I mean, it was promising to see him hit shots last night. I thought Goga played a really good game. I mean, he struggled a little bit with foul trouble, but overall, I mean, he, I, I liked what he did offensively going right at cat and cat's not like, a an all defense type room protector or anything, but he's a lot better than I think people who don't watch the wolves give him credit for. Um, I mean, he's canning threes now. What, what is he shooting? Like 30 35, 36% over his last couple of games, something like that. I know he's two of four last night. Um, so that was promising to see. Um, oh, wait, yeah. Okay. So Gogubataze in his last six games, 42% from three. So mm. the, the shot it's is here, easy. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it's more of a, there's no like thought of hesitating. It's like, I'm open. Give me that ball. I'm ready to go. Yeah. It looks uh, a lot better is- than it did last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that development is good to see. Yeah, last nine games, uh, so 14 minutes per game, 53% from the field, 38.9% from three on two a game, uh, eight points, four boards, a block. I mean, he's just been, it's been a really interesting development seeing him. uh, Well, I mean, good and also interesting development, just seeing him grow into 
a real capable center. Like the foul fouls are still a problem for him, and they're gonna be until he get, keeps getting more in game reps. And it was actually kind of cool moment seeing him come out after he had that that second foul early, and Miles was kind of coaching him up on the sideline. But um, how does that change your your view of of things with uh, the way that he's starting to grow? Yeah, I mean he is you know, turning into, in my opinion, you know, a solid rotation big. Um, and I feel like he understands that role pretty well. And, and he's, you know, he's, he's obviously continuing to learn and, and definitely it's the defensive side where I feel like he's still um, occasionally a half step slower or maybe a position a little bit, but he's active. And I love seeing, you know, a lot of, you know, mistakes he does make are more uh, mistakes of aggression as opposed to just being, um, you know, thinking he's not in the right place or whatever. He's he's real active. And again, you know, as we just mentioned offensively, he's definitely much more aggressive. And, you know, I feel like there's something there to work with as, you know, I, I'm not ready to say he's a guy that's going to be a star, starter um, and be able to be consistent in that role. But um, as a guy who could come off the bench, if you were to say, you know, trade another one of your bigs that could fetch other things, um, you know, I think you would be, be fine with that. Yeah, exactly. And for everyone listening, Tom did just slander whichever big you like. I, I can guarantee it. So be sure to, <laughs> be sure to fire off at him at Indy Cornrows on Twitter. Um, I think another thing that we've uh, we've talked about a little bit too, but it just gets even more, I don't want to say murky because again, it's another good thing. Uh, but with how well Aaron holidays played, like Aaron was mm. uh, incredible last night. Uh, just couldn't miss uh, finished with, uh, I think it was his career high in points or at least a season high in points. I can't, I can't remember right off the top of my head, uh, 22 points. Uh, everything was just really smooth for him. Got to the line a few times, uh, I mean, it's just so weird because the way that injuries have impacted everything, like we talked about it with Ed and him getting consistent run, and it really feels like he's just going to be part of uh, the team's plans moving forward. It really felt until about five games ago. I mean, maybe it still does, uh, just given that it's, he's only in because of injuries, but it, it really felt like Aaron was just kind of on the outs with the team. Um, mm -hmm. And now he's put together – a really consistent stretch over the, you know, I mean, the, the beginning of April, end of March. Um, he's, he's looked really good. Incredible. I mean, 22 points on eight shots, uh, you know, getting to the, I mean, getting to the line. Um, and I, I, even though it was, that game was so crazy that, you know, but uh, TJ McConnell hit a corner three dag dagger three game over. But of course, the way it plays out, <laughs> uh, um, D'Angelo Russell hit the three, and all of a sudden they still need free throws. I was kind of glad. It was nice to see Holiday have to step up and make two free throws to once again lock the game down, which he did. Um, but you're right. You know, we were talking about Goga's numbers in the last whatever games. I, I you know, I wonder what um, the cumulative numbers are uh, for Holiday here in his last five games where he's got to play. I mean, he's yeah. In his um, last five, definitely. I have to pull up, actually. Uh, so in 19 it's, minutes per game, 12 points, okay. uh, two assists to 1.8 turnover. So that's that's good. Uh, but, I mean, 60% from three on three a game, 57% from the field, uh, getting to the line a little bit, um, at least in the last couple of games. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, it's small sample size for sure, but it, yeah. so you have to take everything with a grain of salt. With, but. Yeah. But, but the thing with, with him, I mean, he shoots the three so easy and he can get it off anywhere um, that, it, you know, it never look, doesn't look like it's going in when he releases it because it's just so, so easy and quick. Um, but, but, you know, he just hasn't been shooting well. And that, you know, that's kind of the bread and got to be the bread and butter of his game because then, you know, once he is hitting it, like last night, he hit four, but, you know, then he can open other things up and maybe draw some fouls and be, you know, he's got to be marked out there if he's shooting like that. And, um, you know, it would have been nice if he could have done this a few weeks before the trade deadline, but be that as it may, um, here we are. But like you mentioned, it's not like Sumner's playing worse. So, Sumner really, hit two threes you know, last night. I mean, no, he. Had, oh, yeah, the one got discounted. Um, but yeah, well, hit, yeah, but but I I count that just as far as the confidence. And, yeah, because he did the like the shimmy on the second one. And yeah, I mean, um, and yeah, that that uh, Minnesota bench was was yapping a bit over there, so <laughs> they were getting it thrown back at him. But but yeah, you know, Holiday and Sumner hitting those big big threes on the stretch literally saved the game because they couldn't stop Cat. Uh, but again, like it's kind of like Sumner when everybody's healthy, you know, that ninth guy role that basically is Sumner's now, in my opinion, and that still leaves Holiday out. But Holiday's playing so well, um, you know, it'd be nice to see him get get some minutes in there, and maybe they will, uh, depending upon how things roll out here the rest of the year. I mean, there's obviously the rest of the season is uh, probably going to be a wild wild ride depending upon who's healthy and, and how um, they go because they've kind of already squandered. I mean, this month should have been a month where they could have made a little run and solidified themselves and um, gotten back, you know, close to 500 and they've already squandered some of that good uh, schedule um, situation. So, uh, it'll, you know, we'll see if, if they can get healthy. It sounds like maybe Brad, they might be back sooner than the than Sabonis and Turner, but having both those big guys out. Um, as good as Goga's playing, um, you know, last night when there's a legit big in there, uh, defensively it, it's a struggle um, having to lean on, on he and Jakar only. I mean, having them be the only big. So, um, but anyways, back to whatever we were saying. Got off the air in there, but um, it is just – it's got to build his confidence to know, you know, he, he's got that game. And, and I don't know what has triggered it, but um, I feel like he's really playing loose and, and ready to make an impact. And um, always good to see with those guys. Yeah, definitely. And <coughs> so I guess, that, I mean, we, we can talk, we can talk about the game more still, um, but there, that just transitions right into something else that I was thinking about a lot yesterday. I mean, we were going into the game yesterday, like you were mentioning, I, this Minnesota team, they're they're the worst team in the NBA currently, but they've been better since they hired Chris Finch. Um, I really thought mm-hmm. that they were going to just uh, probably run roughshod over the team yesterday, frankly. I mean, missing four starters. Um, they clearly did not come out to play. I mean, I think Anthony Edwards had some comments at the end of the game uh, about how they just weren't trying on defense in the beginning of the game, and it was apparent. Um, and... I, so I don't know. I think I look at this game and it's like we were looking at it in terms of, okay, well, this team's probably going to come out 22 and 28 tomorrow. 
if Chicago wins, uh, which I actually Chicago didn't play last night. I think Chicago plays tonight. And it's like if Chicago right. wins the next night, then they're going to be tied and they already have the tiebreaker. So then you're all the way at the bottom of uh, of the play in uh, and not really looking at, at real opportunity to get up. Um, or I mean, like, I guess there is. But Chicago's probably I, I would say, I mean, Chicago's on a better trajectory right now than India is. Uh, the Knicks are still have a pretty good cushion uh, above both Chicago and Indiana right now. Um, and then all the remaining teams are not really in free fall and it doesn't seem like they're going to be. It's it just, if it puts it in such an awkward place, Tom, because I don't, I, oh, I mean, I again, we're just, I'm just trying to observe things. Uh, what, I mean, do you really think that there's that, like, I think there's, there's a tendency that people are thinking that there's still like just this massive amount of time left in the season. And there sort of is, but, we just passed the 52nd really. game like last night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, that was the 50th game, uh, but most teams have played 52. So there's, there's 22 games left for the Pacers. Um, there's not really a whole lot of, of time to make up ground and claw into a real playoff spot. And I'm not just trying to be all down in the dumps and down, downtrodden about it, but Toronto is looking a little bit better recently. They just added an actual center to the roster today in Ken Birch, who is going to help them out. Uh, and they're not trying to tank. I, obviously this Pacers team is not trying to tank after last night. Like that was a perfect opportunity to quote unquote stealth tank uh, where you just play a bunch <laughs> of young guys and then you end up, you know, losing a close game or something. Um, and this team is, I mean, they're not going to tank. We know what the front office is about and what the organization is about, but it almost feels like this is like, we've talked about this, but it just feels like it. I don't know. Like what really happens if this team makes the, the, the play in like, are you, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know what to think about it. Obviously you never want to, I don't advocate tanking. That's not, that's not who I am, but um, it just it brings up a lot of questions for me considering how the season's going. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the situation where guys are hurt and when they come back, how much they play that type of thing. I mean, Let's say, I mean, taking, I guess, just for lack of an, another term, um, you know, I mean, that's the way this team tanks, you know, potentially is if they just keep holding guys back and, and they are playing young guys. Now, when you're playing young guys, you're not going to tell them to not play well, you know. And yeah. like last night, I mean, good Lord, they got great performances from guys. And, and you know, you want those guys to build up value. I mean, they did nearly lose that game. So um, despite all the uh, high-powered offense they got, especially early in the game, so um, I, I feel like it'll, it'll be interesting to see how these injuries are handled the rest of the way and if they ever do get everybody back healthy um, or, or not. That may be, you know, that's the closest thing we would have to them, like really not caring if they made the playoffs. I mean, this is the ultimate season um to not make the playoffs i mean they, they've already um you know squandered that home uh record streak of, of above 500 um at home and and you know it, it's a year when there aren't many fans there and all the other stuff going on it, it's just been a crazy year that you could survive i, I feel like um you know no one would go crazy if they didn't make the playoffs this year. 
It um, feels like just in, in like I was talking to Derek Kramer about this yesterday because I always check in on Pacers Facebook as much of a mistake as it is every time I do it. I just want to <laughs> see what people are, are, are doing and saying because I'm not a fan. I just like I have to know what people are thinking. Right. Like, I don't know. It just helps me know what to talk about. And it almost yeah. feels to me like people are going to be more pissed if the team makes the playoffs than if they don't. Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I, I definitely caught a lot of. Wow, this team can't even take properly comments last night. <laughs> yes, a lot. There were quite <laughs> yeah, a few of those. So I, I feel like people were almost resigned to that fact at this point. Yeah, you know, I think that's natural when you see so many guys sitting out um, because, you know, we don't know the severity of injuries and all that. And, yeah. you know, the, the Brodman injury really came out of nowhere. Um, and even they're saying they don't know when it happened, didn't think it was in a game, all that. So, um, the 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 question then is so let's look at it from the other way okay how far down can they go can they go I mean I don't know that they can get far enough down to get you know go for the big big prize or you know have a good shot at it um they you know that these guys are going to play and and obviously play to win um whoever's out there so um they're at that point in the season now where it'd be, it'll, it'll be interesting to see which, which way. I mean, really, they're playing so many games coming up here. Um, I, I feel like within two weeks, it's going to be, they might be out of the play, play in, like you mentioned, um, or they may be more solidified and, and we'll really know um, for the last, whatever, two, three weeks of the season, how it's going to play out. But I agree. I, I feel like a lot of people are just like, okay, the season's a wash already, even though there's so much, you know, there is a month left, but it's going to go quick. And, um, you know, scrambling to get into that plan, I just don't know what you're going to get out of it. Cause even if you end up winning the plan, getting in, um, you're still going to have a, you know, vicious first round matchup. Yeah, exactly. And I like, I don't know, there, there's got to be like some levity with the two, because I think a lot of people discount the fact like, hey, making the playoffs is a good thing, you know, or, or not even saying like, I'm not trying to say that it's right or wrong to make the playoffs again. That's that's the front yeah. office's decision and what they're trying to do. Um, but like, there is credence to it. Like this group wants to be together moving forward. Kevin Pritchard's talked about, you know, this is the, we want to see this group play together. Obviously, that's not going to happen without TJ. But like, Point being, you still have this entire group. You want to see what happens in the playoffs because that gives you justification to to make moves. Uh, which I would argue you don't you don't really need to have justification to make moves sometimes. Um, although of course the, there's always like some balance with that. But for the I I mean like my referendum is always going to be I don't really think you need the playoffs to say hey playing two bigs together in the starting lineup is just probably not going to work long term. But here comes the slander. Hey, I'm, this is not slander. You already you already did it first, so <laughs> yeah. Um, I cracked the seal on it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You you brought this on on yourself. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's it's so murky because it's just so different from like looking at Toronto this year. Um, like all some of my friends who cover the Raptors, it's a little bit different because a I mean they've been in Tampa Bay the entire time, so things have been really yeah. different for the fan base. Yeah. They haven't been as engaged or connected. Um, they're actually on pace to be like the greatest worst team ever. Like they have a positive net rating and they're 11 games below 500. Wow. 
and they're yeah, in the top. Crazy. They're above average in both offense and defense. Like their expected <sighs> win loss for the season is 26 and 25 and they're 20 and 31. Like, and the Pacers are close to that. Like they're not, yeah. it's not the same, but I mean, just looking right now, because I've been following this the last couple of days, part of it's just because their clutch times stats are so atrocious, but like, I mean, they, they project as being a 500 team. They're like almost a zero yeah. net rating, which would be 500. And that's not a huge difference, but I mean, that would put them in being like the sixth seed. Um, so it, it just makes a, a world of difference in terms of what the season looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt, you know, we could find four or five games that they dumped <laughs> uh, either in the fourth quarter or, or, you know, having a big lead. I always go all the way back to that first Philly game when Embiid was out. You know, those type of games um, that they end up dumping. And then, you know, all those little one-nighters start adding up and, and um, you got problems. And, and, and now, you know, you don't have the margin of error to, to have injuries and all that stuff. And, and that's where they're at right now. They just don't have, uh, they're, they're, you know, as far as going to the playoffs, making the playoffs, I mean, they're, they don't have a net right now. So, um, um, but they, the other point you make them too, it's like what going forward, what is, what is going to be the, the plan? And, and I mean, running everybody back, you know, could work but it's like for one thing they all can't stay healthy so um and you know and that's in, in some ways you know it's not a level playing field when you're putting teams together in the nba um we know that for sure and you know the pacers have, have always been a team that has you know tried to get more talent by taking a risk on guys who are a little bit injury prone and and um so then when these injuries hit um it sucks um, but now can you rely on, on these guys to be healthy for at least a year together and see what, see what they have and, and how long can they go with that? Um, we'll, we'll see, but you know, at, at this point, the rest of this year, I mean, it, I, I feel like getting enjoyment out of a game like last night, just watching some of these guys get to play. I'd love to see O'Shea Brissett play a little bit more and, and um, guys develop. Um, you know, some value in, you know, if, if it, if it's just for going for a deal or to pick up picks or, or help sweeten the deal or, or adjust the team a little bit, I feel like they still need to make some adjustments um, with this team for the long term. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that. The storylines around this team right now suddenly are, are, great even though you know it's not that fun for fans to follow storylines that don't have anything to do with literal wins and losses on the court yeah no i agree i mean like i think i've gotten a lot of joy out of just like the last couple of weeks when watching ed grow ed and gogo both yeah. i mean it's been fantastic yeah. and um, holiday aaron. yeah and seeing aaron too i mean Loved it. So actually really funny stat. Um, I've, I, I mean, I'm sure I've seen this before, but it's the first time I've noticed it this year. Aaron holiday finished with above 100% true shooting 100 nice. finished with 103.4% true shooting, which is like almost impossible because he ended up taking less shots than made shots. If you include free throws, which is kind of like remarkable. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I think the last thing I would close out on um, like, what um 
I mean, if the team doesn't make moves in the offseason, like let's say that they did run it back, which I don't think they're going to. Um, but if they did, I mean, how would you feel about that going into next year? What, what would you think? Yeah, that and, and that's the the thing I, I think of, like not making any moves. Um, I feel like they could be successful. They could play well if everybody was healthy all the way through, you know, including Warren. But I also feel like there's a fatigue with this group now all of a sudden, even though it's, you know, we're basically only in year two. Um, but, and, and maybe that fatigue is they just not reliable. Like I say, either um, uh, to be healthy enough um, or, or whatever, the, whatever the point may be, but it's like, um, I, I don't know that, that they're ever going to all come together and be able to be at the best. Um, just because so much has happened over the last couple of years and, and, um, you know, the, they, they bonded in ways, but maybe that all, all isn't good. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you hear rumblings about some issues within the locker room, but um, it doesn't seem like when you see them play and play well, um, and and you got guys like um, you know McConnell and and Robin and Sabonis, those guys are um, all all seem to be willing leaders of the team, um, even though they're frustrated. But uh, you know, there's still been a lot of opportunities where you've had key guys. But it's a bonus, whomever out there, and you know they struggle to close games together and, and get it done. And it, it, it might just be this mix just doesn't have it. And so that would give me pause, just running it all the way back. Um, and obviously, there's a couple of guys who you know McDermott and whoever might be free agents, um, but. I don't know. I feel like they may need to have some more significant change to kind of alter um, how this team plays together going forward. Because I, I feel like, you know, I guess that it's not fair, but I, I just feel like there's a little bit of fatigue and maybe all those guys being together might feel that, that same way. And sometimes it shows on the court um, with the body language and, and the effort and all that, um, unfortunately. So, yeah. I guess that, that's kind of my thought of it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I think it's a, it would be a very tough sell to to run this group back, I think. Um, a, just because, I mean, when you look at it, when the team's fully healthy, there are just too many guys who are capable of playing that are on the team, which sounds like good problem, right? And I think that's one of the right. areas where you start having issues in the locker room potentially, like – not that I think Aaron's like a guy who's like an issue in the locker room, but I mean, point being like Aaron holiday and Jeremy lamb would probably not be in the rotation. If the team was fully healthy, like just given right. even if they're running a nine and a half man rotation, like they typically have been <laughs> the last month or so that means Jeremy lamb or Aaron holiday are, are you know, getting spot minutes because Edmund Sumner has been playing more than both of them. Um, so like where, like you're, you're paying Jeremy yeah. lamb, like the full mid level pretty much the next two years uh, or next year, I think. Yeah, I think it's only one more year. And then Aaron Holiday is just sitting on the bench. Like, I, I, I don't know. There are definitely moves that are going to have to be made. And I think the team needs it too. Like, they need real shot creation, um, not just mm-hmm. off the bench. Like, they need it more in 
it just in general, like any kind of shot creation that isn't just uh, a, uh, that, that isn't, gosh, I, I can't, I can't word currently, but I've, but I've gotten a little <laughs> frustrated the last couple of days. Uh, I, and I don't know if you felt similarly, but um, about, and I, I get where some of the frustration is coming from, but a lot of people commenting on, well, you know, as much as I wish that, that Brogdon and Sabonis were playing so we could win, I, uh, I like not having to see a, a pick and roll run all the time or anything in the post. And I'm like, Okay, well, the reason the ball is getting kicked around so much is because nobody can get any separation and actually get to the rim. Like, that's why the ball is getting passed so much. Like, and I don't even think mm-hmm. the ball movement has been that great. Like, you just, the ball has to get kicked around because Justin Holiday can't beat his man off the dribble. Um, because Doug McDermott can't beat his man one on one off the dribble. Like, that's just not something that's happening. And the screening isn't great either. Like, I think Miles, when he has time to set a good screen, is fine. But you, you, that's where you really miss Domas with that screening ability. Um, and uh, I don't know, like it, that. So that that part has been a little bit frustrating, just in general. Like I think it's it's a lot more to it. I, I and I, you could always bring up too. Like I do think there have been some things with the scheme that have been a little bit like, okay, well we're and we've talked about this all year. Like too much goes through Brockton and Sabonis sometimes. It's been better with Karis yeah. Levert back. So I don't know why people are feeling quite that way, but. Um, I don't know. I guess. All right. Well, I do have one more question that I want to ask you then, because this is another thing I was thinking about. I, I saw, you know, a couple people brought up to me. Well, you know, they have to make some serious. Uh, they have to do some serious retooling in the summer, which I agree with. But then the reasoning they brought up was to fit the coach's style. And I just don't agree with mm-hmm. that at all. Um, I, I I don't know how if you feel similarly. I understand like Nate is trying to do a lot of new things scheme wise. And we've talked about how hard it is to actually make that happen without really uh, having practice time. And with the, with it being a condensed year and the way everything's worked out with injuries, like it's just, it's different. So I won't say I'm giving him a pass this year, but like, I get why he hasn't shifted stuff around as much, even though like he has simplified stuff on defense and uh, things like that. But point being like, I think your coach has to be willing to adapt to the roster. It can't just be, Like, I mean, part of it is having the right roster and having like the right players on your roster, but like you have to put those guys in good positions to succeed and you have to run schemes and, and things that make sense for the whole team on, on balance. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I I think they, you know, if everybody was healthy, they definitely have, you know, the components to succeed with what you're trying to do for sure. Um, And I think, you know, when they were without, you know, Vic Levert, and, you know, I mean, that's a season right there, but if we want to just boil it down, you know, that stretch where they were trying to do a lot without all, all the firepower that that you you would hope to have on a, you know, on a contending NBA team, um, you know, it also makes it a lot easier to, to, um, to defend because, you know, they do have that bread and butter going with, with Sabonis and Brogdon or whoever is working with Sabonis, really. Um, but, you know, kind of forced into that in some ways. So, um, but I, I think, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Bjorkman's approach evolves, um, especially if he can get more um, of a full team out there to work with. Um, but that, you know, goes equally on the defensive end as well, um, which has been, um, you know, 
I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at every game. And uh, that hasn't always been the best way to go either. Yeah, exactly. Like it's uh, like the zone is uh, it is. I don't know. The zone got cooked last night. Um, again, part of it's tough oh. because like we mentioned, like it's just it's hard without having some of the guys. But at the same time, like it just was not working and it was it was rough. I mean, nothing was working defensively last night, to be completely fair. Yeah, but I was brutal. I mean, the zone has been brutal my, for weeks now. My son was a uh, ball boiler last night, and he at the end, he's like, why were they in the zone at the end when they were up at Because, what's his name, Russell got loose for a couple of reasons. And, um, and I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they are. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Just that, that's what they're doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a thing yeah. that can happen. So, I, yeah. I don't know. We have a lot to a lot to look at. I mean, they have a game coming up tomorrow against Orlando. I'm really excited for this because I want to watch Orlando play. Um, they completely stripped their team down, uh, traded away their core players who were together since 2015 um, and are just a fundamentally different team in every way, shape, and form. And I actually think they're going to be better for it. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think this will probably be an easier-to-win game than Minnesota. Um, but it, I mean, just because they do not have any kind of real half court creation or anything. Um, so I, I think it'll, the defense should be a little bit easier, but, uh, we'll see. It depends who all is playing tomorrow and we'll, we'll find out. Right. Yeah. It, it's not like possible that Brogdon might play, but who knows? Of course, with the Orlando, you always got to worry about the Hacer killer Terrence Ross. Yes. Another noted, yeah. another noted UW. You know, alum, but uh, yeah, um, I, uh, I agree. They 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 embrace the youth movement big time. So yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that, I think that'll be again. That's similar to what, kind of what we're watching with the Pacers right now. You're like, oh, let's see how these guys play now. They're, you know, they're not really looking over their shoulder. They, you know, they're just they're being pushed to to do whatever they can do and and just play with without. Um, you know, being on a team, you know, like I'm thinking like Wendell Carter Jr. and those type of guys where, you know, they're they're being pushed to play their, their best and let it all hang out. And, and um, sometimes those guys are dangerous. And, you know, it's the same with some of the patients right now. We saw it last night. They, were, they got dangerous in a hurry. Yeah, I agree. And we'll see what happens, man. Hopefully – more Ed, Aaron, and uh, and Goga explosions. We'll see what happens. Uh, is the game at the Fieldhouse or in Orlando? I can't remember. No, it's in Orlando. Okay. So. All right. Well, perfect. Sounds good. Hopefully, they wear the orange uniforms. I love the uh, Orlando orange oh, uniforms. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're a fan. I am a big fan. But I also am notedly a fan of terrible jerseys, according to everyone on Pacers Twitter. So, um, <laughs> I still think the grays are fine. I don't, I don't get the hate, but it is what it is. Uh, Tom, you have any parting thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, just uh, enjoy these games as we can. I mean, it, the opportunity is still there if they can get healthy. But um, I don't know. I say enjoy, enjoy the effort uh, of some of these young guys. And and uh, other than that, go Pacers. So that concludes the first part of uh, of this pod. The first segment, I should say. Uh, I'm joined in the next segment by Tony East to talk about some uh, some of the season overview. Uh, based on a question that was brought to my attention uh, 
recently last, I think it was last week, it was after the Wizards game. Um, really great conversation here. Had an awesome time with Tony, as always. Uh, of course, follow him if you don't already. You probably do. Tony's fantastic. Um, it, we'll be right back after a commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So the pod is not actually over. Um, I am back with <laughs> my good friend and, of course, uh, the one of the great hosts over at Locked On Pacers, Tony East. Uh, Tony, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I've been grinding away at my own job and trying to keep up with the Pacers as well. It's been quite the week, but uh, I'm excited to talk basketball like I do every day anyway and yeah. keep it rolling. Uh, so many things to, to dive into. Number one, as we were talking about this before we got on um last night's game i just have like nothing to take away from it but i also have so much to take away from it at the same time uh, the amount of people who don't cover the pacers that that texted me yesterday and said is that score for real because they were like one of my friends was in it like you know covering the hawks and they were like yo i just saw the score at like halftime for the pacers like what is going on there i was like you know i'm not actually sure what's happening but it, it is a game um do you have any like overarching thoughts uh off of yesterday uh it was like the most i almost just screenshotted the box score and tweeted it and was like what the hell <laughs> like what what is it like they scored 64 points in the second half and they hit i think eight of their nine threes in the fourth quarter i don't know if that's exactly right but it's close to that and they got smoked in that quarter like they they played the worst defensive half they've played the entire season which is saying something by a by yeah yeah it is that that first half in Brooklyn was awful the the second half in in LA against the Clippers was awful they played a worse defensive half than both of those against the Timberwolves and still won because the Timberwolves couldn't guard anything so I at the same time had a thousand takeaways and zero takeaways where it's like maybe calling place to have McConnell have the ball in his hand is good sometimes but also like I probably shouldn't ever think the Pacers should do that because we've seen McConnell have really bad games and the Timberwolves defense just sucks. So I, yeah, I was kind of stuck with like, like if Jakar Sampson scores 16 points, just throw the game out the window and don't like, don't analyze it ever again. Yeah. Not hey, that Jakar is not awesome, but like, come on. <laughs> I mean, Hey, if he'd hit that dunk though, uh, yeah, trying to do like that dunk. wrap round, I was yeah, like, okay, oh they, they just call the game now it's over. But um, I, so I, my media seat's like behind that backboard, right? Look so at Tony's flexing. That perfect view. It looked it looked so sick from where I was sitting. I thought I thought he traveled. He took two huge steps before he took off. They didn't call it, and then I was like, "Wow, he's this is gonna be sick." And then he missed. And then on the replay, the camera was facing that basket, so it didn't look nearly as cool as it did from my seat. It, it was really impressive live. I was so bummed he missed it. Yeah, no, I was pissed too. So I actually I had to watch the game late um, because. Fun fact, I was uh, I was really busy yesterday and finishing up schoolwork right before the game started. So I was like, all right, I'll eat dinner uh, while the first game starts. I mean, while the first period starts, quarter, whatever. I, I can't speak. But um, so I was like, all right, I'll just heat up a can of tomato soup. It's going to be fine. Uh, my dog decided he was going to knock over the can of tomato soup into my lap while I was watching the game. 
so I didn't start until the first half was already over. Um, yeah, and had to read. So you only it. saw the second half. So you no, I saw the first half still. Oh, I just had to later, like, speed later. through. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. awful, man. Yeah. It was good times. <laughs> uh my chair might or might not be ruined uh we're gonna find out sometime soon but... it's got some character now yeah yes a nice red stain exactly <laughs> where you want a red stain um so another thing i want to talk about though uh ronde hollis jefferson got signed by someone not the pacers i'm not surprised it wasn't gonna happen um but gary clark was waived today and i actually like gary clark a lot he's been absolutely terrible in orlando uh today this year last year was fine um but i don't know do you what are, what do you think about the idea of adding gary clark so i know you tweeted about him today um i follow your tweets obviously <laughs> just uh just major stalking energy but i don't know i i think there's like it, it it's it's something small but what are your thoughts on gary clark as a pacer so here, here's the thing about gary clark is he is a horrible offensive player. Yeah, like, he's absolutely like, terrible. Like just if he can't and, hit his threes, it's like yeah, over. Yeah, he not like useless. I, that's extreme, but that dude is not a good offensive player. That said, he has been branded, and this is not real. No one is a Giannis stomper, but he has been branded as a Giannis stomper by Magic uh, fans and dorks alike because he played some good defense on he Giannis did last play season. Good defense, but. Um, you know, and that's what he's good at. He was all defense in college, which sometimes that means nothing. Cough, Aaron Holiday, cough. <laughs> sometimes that means a lot in the case of Gary Clark, who made, I believe, all-conference team in his conference with like a hilariously low scoring average for making all-conference in your in your college at Cincy. So he's like legit a very good on-ball defender, right? Yeah. So his, his offense is terrible. He's barely above a neutral player if he's even above a neutral player. But he has a specialty skill that makes him worth having on a roster. He only makes $2 million At the po- There's a point where you could just let him clear waivers and try to sign him, but then anyone can sign him. So I thought maybe because he makes such a low amount over the minimum and the Patriots could claim him, maybe that makes some sense. If they want to you know, sniff around on a guy who can play 3-4 he's positions, he's 6-6. Six, six. Um, so he's probably more three than four. In fact, he's definitely more three than four, but yeah, it might be worth sniffing. He's cheap to cut if it doesn't work out. That said, you're locked into him as your last roster spot if you go that route. But, uh, you know, they could do worse things with their last spot. So I, I, I think it'd be he's probably the best guy who's gotten cut to me that besides the stars that I, I think, OK, that, that would make sense for the Pacers last roster spot if they don't want to keep O'Shea for longer. Yeah, no, I would agree, too. Um like, and it's actually so total aside, but that was like one of the saddest things to me. Cause I was like super high in Gary Clark. I don't watch a ton of college basketball, but like, since he's just always on local television in Ohio. So, uh, oh, yeah, Gary Clark yeah. was listed at six, nine when he played at UC. And Scott McNeil, this is, this is a very low level Twitter reference, but he's like the only Pacers follower of mine that actually knows the cap rules. He like contributes for real GM and mm-hmm. he lives in Cincy. So I tweeted about Gary Clark and he starts to tweet about like that team with him and Jacob Evans. They were so good. Yeah, they were like it's actually so good. really good. <laughs> oh, dude, they were fantastic. And they had like I think Jaron Coverland was like the yep. guy who like yep. scored everything, even though he's super inefficient. And like RIP to Jacob Evans, man. I thought he was gonna be so good <laughs> in the NBA and the Warriors just broke him and it sucked. But um yeah, point being Gary Clark could do some things. He was he was the AAC player of the year, averaging twelve point seven points in eight yeah, points per game exactly. because his defense was just disgusting. That's basically <laughs> that, that details like every Mick Cronin team that I ever watched. <laughs> yes, at yes University of Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, I think he'd be an interesting addition. It doesn't really move the needle either way. Right. Um, but it's somebody who's six six that can guard 
which is not that's nobody on the Pacers roster right now. So it's um, kind of Justin. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean like guys who have like who but, weigh more than I do. So that right, right. We talked about it on lockdown Pacers a lot. Like they really struggle with those powerful forwards. Like yes, Gary Clark gives you 10 minutes of like credible, slow that guy down a game. Yeah. Not much, exactly. but a little bit of it. It's something it's better than exactly. nothing. Exactly. Um, But to move on from that, because in all reality, Gary Clark is probably not going to be a Pacer. There are 29 other 28 other teams that could sign him. Um, But we'll see. Uh, so I really wanted to bring you on today because a, I love talking Pacers basketball with you, but B, uh, I got a really good question from, from one of our listeners over at any corners. I'm sure he listens to locked on as well. Um, spree Googs. I, I don't know if I, I'm assuming that's not his actual name, but we've conversed many times. Um, <laughs> given where the team is at this year. So now that last night was the 50th game of the Pacers season. Uh, obviously they're 23 and 27, there's a very stark difference between where they are now and where they were this time last year at, uh, at 31 and 19. Um, and even if you uh, de- extrapolate, de-strapolate, however you look at it, uh, take the two games away from Victor uh, coming back, which threw the team into a little bit. That was like right when they start to hit that, that rough spot of reintegrating him to the team, 31 and 17. Um, there's a lot to dive into, and I want to start off looking at just top down from a team level. And then we'll talk about some individual guys, but you know, what has been, what has been good? What has been bad? Just looking objectively, what has really stood out that's been different uh, kind of schematically and um, just in general. The biggest difference and everybody, everybody has gotten to the point now of figuring out the biggest difference is the defensive scheme change and how it affects the players they have on the roster this year versus the players they had last year where as Dan Burke, played a very good conservative defense that tried to push shots to a certain spot and always had guys kind of, you know, ready to help and and force passes. The current defensive scheme is all about getting the ball out of stars hands and being really aggressive and trying to make the other team make mistakes. And that can be noble and good. If you have guys who are really good at like recoveries, right? The Raptors use this defensive scheme uh, and they had, you know, Norm Paolo, Giannobi, Pascal Siakam in their forward rotation. Serge Ibaka, even at the four, he's pretty mobile for his size. They have guys who can recover out to the perimeter when that kind of blitzing stuff is happening. And that blitzing is an, is an oversimplification of what they're trying to do to these stars, but it's a word everybody knows. The Pacers don't have that. They have really bad recoverers, actually. For terrible, most, terrible yeah, yeah, pretty awful recoverers. Justin Holiday's pretty good at this, yeah. although he is an occasional just stinker health defense game. But he's pretty good at recoveries. Uh, Sabonis tries to be good at them, but he's pretty slow footed just for his size. Um, just it, they just in general get beat by this. So the they they do the first part right. They force the ball of the stars' hands a lot. But then the secondary creator for the team just has like a simple dribble into the lane and he can create for three different guys who are wide open. So their defensive scheme is really struggling. So it's really good against bad teams that don't really have like the good secondary creator, but it's really not working against teams that have solid secondary creators or teams that shoot really well because it does tend to concede a lot of threes yeah. for those guys that recover. So that's the first thing. I want to dive into that really quick because okay. I, have a, I, have, I have some numbers on this and also some thoughts too. Um, I mean, just looking strictly on on defensive rating or defensive efficiency, they were sixth in defensive efficiency last year, so obviously pretty damn good. This year, twelfth, which is not great, but it's not terrible. I mean, you're slightly above worse. average, but you're yeah. you could be. I mean, that's I always try and tell people like if you're between like 
12 and 18, I would just call it average because you're within a half point of being within the next team for the most part. Um, what's really different in terms of shot profile, they, you would think, okay, maybe they're in terms of actual defense, the only real major statistical change is that they're getting killed from three this year compared to last year. Like they were third in three point percentage allowed last year and 28th this year. I mean, 20, 24th this year, I can't count. Um, and that is a big part of it. I mean, like, I think part of it is trying to like siphon through it. Like, I mean, three point percentages up across the league, but also like we're talking about with how aggressive they're playing, just more open shots. Um, I mean, the three-point yeah. attempt rate is down compared to last year because they try and run teams off the line a lot. Right. But the looks that they're getting are so much more open than they were last year for the most part, and that's been a huge part of it. That's part of those bad recoveries is it's either they do one of two things. They either run out way too hard on the guy yep. and they allow a blow-by, right? So they're allowing the second fewest th- – I think it's second, actually. You might you said third. Maybe it's a tie whatever second or third fewest threes per game at 31.4 but an astronomical percentage go in because they run the guys off the line really well but it's, it's like it just lets them blow by and get to the rim where they're allowing the third most shots per game this season but that again back to the recoveries and just general way they are closing out on these guys like the, the they're letting them get to a spot where they can move towards the basket and all of a sudden the cutters are open they can even shoot sometimes and you know with Sabonis not around the basket as much at all really you know, something I credit him for last year is he's good at defending centers, especially guys around the basket. Like when they played the Clippers, Montrez Harrell was killing Turner down low. And then this is last year. Sabonis came in and did a good job on Harrell. He's good at guarding that type of player. That never happens anymore. So they have less of that defense around the basket as well. So even though Turner's in there, uh, you know, he's running around a lot. Like they're just the shot profile has shifted dramatically and not necessarily in a good way. You know, they're giving up high quality threes and lots of shots at the rim. So even if the volume is low from deep, that balance is is maybe not as good as it sounds on paper. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, they are, they allow the most rim attempts in the league right now for cleaning the glass. Right. And they were 22nd. Tw- uh, oh, so it would be eighth most. I'm terrible at reading numbers backwards. <laughs> um, but they, I mean, they still let up a lot last year, but just the difference this year is like, it's, it's stark. Um, Bad perimeter defenders. Yes. And it's also worth pointing out too, that the, uh, as much as we harped on offensive rebounding last year, it is even worse this year. So they went from 22nd in the league in defensive rebound percentage last year to 28th in the league in defensive rebound percentage this year, um, which jives. I mean, that is, it has been atrocious. Um, that was and, something Vic's, they have a lot of terrible rebounding guards. That was one thing that Vic is actually pretty good at. Yeah. And they don't have him at all. So that's a big factor there too. Yeah, definitely. And I think it hurts too. I mean, like TJ isn't a very good rebounder. He's actually pretty poor for a guy his size, but like just having somebody who has size that is out there makes a difference for the most part. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I mean, I think a lot gets heaped on miles, which is frustrating because he isn't the greatest rebounder. I think he's a little bit better at boxing out than people uh, tend to give him credit for, but also like he can't block a shot and get the rebound most of the time or contest a shot and get the rebound at the same time. Um, like there are so many times where I could just take a screenshot of like in game where there's four guys collapsed in the paint and they let one guy leak in that's trailing and he, they get the offensive rebound. And that's where a lot of the open threes are coming from. And it's just like, yeah, you know, right. Yeah, that that's definitely true. And a lot of long, re- well, the long rebounds are just killer because it feels like you did everything right and crash the glass. And then it's just 
doesn't happen. You can't really do anything. Yeah, it just it you happens. can. You know, some teams are good at it. Enos Cantor is randomly very good at at getting long rebounds, right? So like, it's definitely a skill that they suck at. But it there is a lot of luck and finagle to it. Like offensive rebounds are up, uh, just in general as three point attempts go up league wide. But they give up fewer three point attempts this year, and they still give up a ton of long rebounds. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, well, the other thing I want to hit on defense too, um, just from a team perspective. Going from like very little zone last year, obviously they started implementing it a little bit towards the end of the year and into the bubble to now. I mean, they played zone almost the entire second half yesterday um, to very uh, there were there were results. There were results to the <laughs> zone. Um, I will just objectively speaking, there were results. Um, what were are your thoughts in, in yes, games were played. Uh, what are your thoughts and feelings on the zone right now? Because it is uh it's it's not great. It's it's not great. It's very hit and miss. Yeah. Um, trying that's diplomatic. I don't need to be diplomatic giving opinions on the team, but I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it because sometimes the the implementation of the zone isn't like we think this will get us many stops. It's yeah. like let's throw off the rhythm of this game, right? Bjork and I talks about junking it up. And sometimes I get it. Like Jakar Sampson guarding Carl Anthony Towns man-to-man when he has five fouls is a really stupid idea. So like, don't go man-to-man when you have those groups on the floor and your two centers are out against the Timberwolves. I'm okay with that for a few minutes. It didn't work at all, but I get the idea of that and I'm okay with trying it. But sometimes he tries to gunk it up, Bjorkman does, and it 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 doesn't gunk it up at all. And they just give up all these threes or who did they play? The Bulls. I can't believe I already forgot who they played Monday or Tuesday. It's been a week. They were like, okay, Vooch is starting to get a little warm inside. Let's gunk it up with this zone. And immediately Vooch just kills them with some threes and yeah. they got some open corner threes. And it's like, you know, that the, the idea, I guess, makes sense. But, like, now you're letting the Bulls and Vooch and Levine have, like, very easy, readable defense to attack, and they know what to do. So sometimes it's a little overly cute. And they switch a lot. Like Sabonis one time, I think it was after the Clippers game, way early this season, was like, sometimes it's hard to – play defense when you're switching coverages that much. I forget the exact quote. I'm working it into a story that I'm doing pretty soon. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a lot. I think that I read, there was a 538 story about how much teams change defenses. I think the Raptors last year were the most. Um, so I'm guessing Bjorkren has implemented some of that. And sometimes it's good. You know, I get the situational reason to do it, but a lot of times it's not. And zone is trying to concede threes or not, you know, you're never trying to concede threes, but like you're limiting the inside shot and, we talked about the Pacers shot profile they gave up earlier and they're bad at perimeter D. Well, in general, you get caught having to recover and overhelp a lot in zone and they can't really do it. So it, it's not great. It's not great. It is. Yeah. Um, this is also just speaking pure off field. I have kind of liked the two, one, two a little bit at times it, like, like, cause they will be in a two, three and then miles will kick up into a two, one, two. I always get confused when they're in two, one, two. It's like, well, cause they, they <laughs> play it kind of like a matchup zone and yes, it's just they do. like, it's, it sometimes too, it also feels like, I mean, Caitlin's written on this a few times. Like I, sometimes there are multiple guys playing different defensive coverages. It seems so it's uh, uh clearly Domas is right on it being a little bit confusing. <laughs> it takes me like when they go two on two, I'm always like, wait a minute. Is that I'm like, did they go two on two or yeah, did, is I, somebody playing? Something name your wrong? name, like, name the guard who happens to be low. Karis, Jeremy, sometimes Aaron. I'm like them, is that guy like, in the middle of the zone. Like what, what's happened? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not, I, it's not matchup zone. I, I always get very, yeah. and then there'll be so many times too, where like, I'm like, are they playing box and one because somebody's in man to man and then everybody else is in yeah. zone. And it's just like, 
Uh, yeah. Oh, Miles Turner's guarding nobody, but TJ McConnell's running around like an idiot. I have no idea what he's <laughs> doing. Right Great. Good times. Um, yeah, it's it's vexing. And I think, I don't know, one thing I'd ask you, though, I mean, as as has been well noted, like, there isn't really a lot of practice going on. Um, there haven't been a whole ton in general this season. I would also point out there really aren't that many practices, as I think people maybe think, in the NBA in general. Um, but – I mean, just given the year, given how everything's gone out, like I'm, I'm not giving it a pass necessarily. It's not free of criticism, but like you can't just switch up an entire scheme in the middle of, of a year or, right. I mean, you could, but that, I mean, that's, that, that would probably lead to even more mixed results, but I, I don't know. Popovich just talked about that. Like Spurs aren't young, but they kind of a lot of inexperienced guys, I guess. Yeah. He's like, it's, we don't practice, you know, this year's so fast. Like it's hard for us to, to do stuff, right. The Pacers implemented some stuff that random week. They got blessed to have off when they had a two day gap and the Rockets and Spurs games got canceled, but it was mostly offensive stuff. Uh, so th- that was their only chance. And yeah, you're right. It's definitely been a weird year because of that, you know, COVID's made this bizarre, but every team is dealing with that. You know, that yeah. is, is, it's hard to use that as a, as a crutch for anything, but Sean Woodley, who covers the Raptors for lockdown Raptors and writes about them for various sites along the way. is always like, can't wait to throw out this sham season when I'm discussing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I feel that. Like I don't, you, you can't say that, you know, every, again, every team's doing the same stuff, but it's just, it's so weird that there's always that kind of stuff you can discuss how much it matters, especially for a new coach. That's what I always wonder. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, see, like that's what I like. How so much, much is it implement? How much is it impacting the Spurs versus the Pacers? Is a good question. When one of those coaches has had decades to implement what he wants, and the other coach has had months to do it. Again, not an excuse, just something I think about. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it, it's it's not something you can discount, but it's also like you mentioned, it can't be a crush or anything. Right. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, though. Um, I mean, the offense is objectively enough it's kind of funny uh they're 17th in offensive efficiency right now and they were 17th in offensive efficiency last year um which is kind of it's just ironic um but i feel better about the offense 1.5 points better <laughs> yeah but but it is still the same efficiency per, per at least cleaning the glass says so yeah um, in terms of league ranking like the, the efficiency is better um actually funnily enough the half court offense is worse this year than it was last year um which jives but i think also like i can't believe i said i've said jives twice in one podcast what the (laughs) hell um but at the same time like that's that's where you bring up like okay well tj warren's not there that makes a big impact on it like a a very big impact on it um i mean obviously as we've both talked about on our our pods and written about like the shot profile is so different offensively second in rim attempts in the league uh they're taking more threes but i think it's actually i mean just from my own perspective, I need to do more research on this, but just like when they take a, a shit ton of threes, it's because they can't get to the rim. So it's not normally the best offense for them. Um, but I felt a lot better about the offense this year. I, th- I think there are like wrinkles that are better. Um, there are definitely some things we can talk about that haven't been fantastic, but um, I mean, I think I look at it like it's easy to keep falling back on this, but like, if you look at the 11 games they played with Victor before he got traded, they were, uh, I think they were ninth in offense. And that feels like it, obviously watching this team, they're not ninth in offense, but like you can like picture, okay, well, if TJ Warren is here uh, and granted, since it's the Pacers, there's always going to be two guys injured, but like you can see theoretically, okay, this offense would be better process over results. Yeah. Look at the, like the four factors, which is lazy, but you know, that often cited as, 
the signs of a good offense. Their effective field goal percentage is better than last year. And I think mm-hmm. that's just one of the low hanging fruit. Like we're not taking crappy mid rangers anymore, or at least the guys who are taking them are good at them. Right. According to yeah. TJ Warren, McConnell is a mid range killer. I would say one <laughs> oh, of every- he is. We'll talk about that, man. I would it's say a- one of every 10 games. He is a mid range killer. Yes. Um, Warren takes them when he it plays, but most other guys, I guess, Jeremy Lamb was standing. Don't take a ton of them. Right. Low hanging fruit. Easy turnover rate. Barely worse this year, 0.4%, whatever. Offensive rebound rate, exactly the same. And they're getting up more free throws, right? So the low-hanging fruit stuff all makes the offense seem better. And I agree that when you actually apply those things to what you watch, they attack the rim like crazy now. And they have the guy, I feel like they have guys set up to shoot from their favorite spots a little more often. Yeah, that's all great. They get a little your turn, my turny sometimes. Yes, Adam was so. talking about that and uh, on Monday. And I, I didn't really agree with him then, but – I no, like in the context of the teams they were playing last week when he was talking about their problems. But, you know, the more the more they've played, the more I've thought about it, I think I need to give that a little bit more credit. Um, they, they get a little your turn, my turny, which is frustrating, especially when they have the full team playing. And they definitely can pound it in the post a little too much or Brogdon can pound it on the perimeter a little too much, which kind of bogs up sets and stuff like that. But when they're all clicking, things have been good. Um, the sets are better and more complicated. That's all good. And they just have been wildly inconsistent and occasion. They don't have a good ISO score without Warren. So they, you know, they're all, they run out of options a lot. It's, it's, it's just a lot different. And I would say in the aggregate, probably about the same as last year, maybe a tiny bit better. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I think it's just, uh, I, I have a lot less questions about it would be the better way to put it. Too. I agree. Um, I agree. So, all right. I will blow this one early. Uh, do you want to know what TJ McConnell is shooting from uh, what, 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 like cleaning glass would consider short mid or like floater range? Oh gosh, like 60%. Oh, probably. okay. Well, almost uh, 57%. Oh, it's too high. That's sad. the 98th percentile. In the yeah, league. It... So pretty good. Dude, I, I wrote before the season, like I do my stats monitor for every player. My McConnell one was those shots. Cause I was like, all right, like the way Bjorkren has talked about the way he's going to play, like he's never going to take that. He shouldn't take it. I think he hit like low fifties last year, which is still a good shot, but I was yeah. like, he'll cut that out. He's a better pass and shooter, whatever. Now he's so good at them. Like, all right, it's like, just take of, them all. Yeah. yeah. Jay Michael asked that question last night and the post game media. It's like, you're getting plays called for you now. And McConnell's like, yeah, dude, <laughs> you're going like, to trust me to dribble into the lane and shoot him. Like, what, how did we get here? I was yeah, just no. Like, how did we get to TJ McConnell hitting a dagger three a dagger three a dagger three shot every minutes. single pregame. I see him taking corner threes and I'm like, you know, I always think back, this is like eighth grade basketball, right? So this has no better gun in the NBA, but the coach just screaming at you like practice the shots. You're going to shoot in the game. And I see McConnell taking these corner threes and I'm like, he doesn't take these. And then he, <laughs> He finally takes one in a game and just drills a dagger in an important game. All yeah. right, whatever. And then he Good started chirping the bench. It was awesome. Apparently they it. chirped him. First. Oh, I'm sure they did. They have. I don't they know what like... they said, but yeah, he shot it right in front of the bench. I'm sure they yelled at him before. Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. No, you could actually hear on the broadcast. Some. Of oh, really? Were, yeah. Yeah. No, they were uh, especially during like free throws and stuff. Their was it anything? Was but oh, oh, like the whole game. I see what you're yeah. saying. They yeah. like right before the shot. Oh like, no, oh, yeah, they wasn't close enough to anything to hear, but like yeah, yeah. That's you funny. could tell. I mean, good for him, man. If you hit that right after they bark. Oh, at I would totally do it too. Like, for I mean, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm man. all for it. I've been burned at the park so many times. If I could do that, I mean, hell yeah. I yeah, was awesome. for it. Very questionable to give him the ball, a live <laughs> grenade with, with 15 seconds left in the game. But he, you know what? It worked out. <laughs> That's what I thought too. As soon as it happened, I'm like, oh no, like this is, this is happening. And it, but. Uh, post game justin was so confident too he's like i caught it and i saw a guy coming out of the corner and i was like yeah i should patch in the corner i'm like dude there was one second left on the shot 
laughing. Uh, you did not. You did not make the awesome play that you were talking about that you made. I I know it worked, so you can talk about it this way. But <laughs> yeah, no, it was a uh, it was fractions funny, away from a bad mistake. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, well, all right. I mean that that launches me anyway. into my next point. So this is before we talk about more individual stuff. Um, I and this is more like what I have felt is the biggest uh kind of difference in terms of a negative for the team this year and that's just been the bench um like that has been the biggest difference to me and a lot of that is you have to look at of course injuries and everything have totally changed up um the way that some of the rotations work um but this is just looking at like so uh domas with justin holiday and doug mcdermott and so with domas as the solo center in those possessions last year because that's i mean there was some of the bench stuff was interchangeable the way that it went like normally aaron and tj would be out there or jeremy was out there at times um but those were like the three most common guys together last year they had a 10.5 net rating uh, over 1200 possessions um i mean not net rating uh they were 10.5 points per 100 better than their opposition in 1200 possessions and this season they are 6.2 points worse per points per 100 and obviously that's not it's not indicative of everything. The on-offs uh, referendums have been quite annoying this year, as I'm, I'm sure you were aware too. On-offs <laughs> do have meaning, but they do not mean everything. I think I have become it. such a disdained on-off person in the way that it's used in context on the internet recently. Like it's a good stat, but it, it, like we punish people too much for what teams do when they're not even playing. Like what? Yes. I but anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. There, no, it yeah. does have a lot of value, especially in the way you're discussing it. Keep going. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's that's just what I'm trying to point out. Like, um, it it's again, it jives with what we've seen on court. Like the bench just doesn't have the same kind of pop that they did last year. They're not able to carry the team for runs like they did last year. And I think that was part of the large part of their success that year and the year before as well. Um, when they're able to to win some of the games that they weren't, it's because they can extend some of the leads out or blow up in a lead that wasn't there to begin with. And that just has not been the same and has often been the opposite. And uh, the bench goes out and they have a tendency to, to, to kind of crater. Yeah, I'm trying to get the stats up. It's taking me too long because I'm slow at typing and clicking. <laughs> um, but I believe that the trio of McConnell, Justin Holiday, McDermott net rating was like insane. And if you took out Justin Holiday, it, the 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 duo of just McConnell McDermott last year, the net rating was like good, but not insane, right? So mm -hmm. he and they had Sabonis with the bench last year instead of Turner, but the, he, it was like Justin Holiday like launched that group to another level, yeah. right? They they had a, that like we all know people are suddenly asking me if McConnell should be sixth man of the year. He's going to no. probably finish top five. He won't win, but he's been good and. We all know what McDermott can do, especially playing with Sabonis, and that was good in the second unit last year. But, like, without Justin Holiday, that group hasn't been as good, and I forget where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, Justin Holiday's starting a lot this year because he's yeah. he can shoot and play defense. He's a good utility guy. Like, those three guys are good, right? That's why their bench was so good last year. They had three awesome dudes with the bench a lot of the time, whereas this year, I mean, McConnell almost always is with the bench. Like, Bjorken is obsessed with keeping him there to the point of starting the Sumner-Levert group, which I don't love, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they start McDermott and Holiday all this time because, you know, the bigs are out or what Warren's been hurt all year. They didn't have Levert for forever. Lamb sucked with the starters. Like they had, they can't have that group together anymore. And that trio was fantastic last year. Right. So that, that is a big reason for that drop is just like the, the, the gap between Warren and Holiday in, in, in terms of impact on the starters exists. 
you know, it's not huge, but you go from Justin Holiday to nothing with the second unit. And then you're just like, oh, damn, you know, we lose, we lose so much there. So that's, I think, where it's a big killer. And I'm going to type out the individual stats now while you respond to that. Yeah, no, I, uh, I totally agree, man. And uh, it's been hard too, because I think this, this leads, leads in like one of just the bigger points overall um, with, with the defense in general, like guys just are in different positions. And I think it's been hard because I think Domas has been like unnecessarily killed for being a bad defender this year. And I, I think, is Domas a great defender? No. He's... Well, well, here's the thing. Domas is terrible at the role Bjorker is yes, asking exactly. him to do. That's the point. <laughs> but he's like the, not a terrible defender. Yeah, Very the, big. Difference. The context is so important for it. Like yeah. Justin is being asked to cover for a lot of mistakes in, in some of the recoveries that he's having to do. And it's just a lot for him. So I think he's like, he's still been really good defensively this year, but he's being tasked with doing so much. Uh, Domas, I mean, credit to Domas. He's improved over like the last month or so. Um, at, you know, just like doing his job blitzing a little bit. And uh, he actually led the team in steals in March, which is kind of uh, like just by like a hair over McConnell, if I remember correctly. I think it was like he averaged like 1.7. I think McConnell averaged 1.6, but um, which is not everything, but like just in terms of activity, he's gotten a lot better with his hands at the point of attack, but he still is just not great at it. Um, like that's one of the things that I ponder a lot because with Jeremy it's easy to be hard on Jeremy for his defense because he is the worst defender on the team, like unequivocally, <laughs> Yeah. but it's also different because a, I mean, he's coming off injury. Um, but uh, it also feels like it hasn't really affected his mobility a ton compared to last year, but like also last year, they were playing a much more conservative scheme that was able to hide a lot of Jeremy's deficiencies, even though, I mean, you could definitely see them on court, but like, it's right. not killing the team the same way this year. Jeremy is like the polar opposite of a player that can survive in Nate Bjorkman's scheme. And that's just been one of the, like, I mean, that's just a microcosm for part of the issue for a lot of the roster in the scheme. Like it's just, if the context is wrong for the player, it does not work out well. Um, especially like for somebody who's very opportunistic on defense uh, like Jeremy. I mean, if, if he's a little over aggressive then that ends up being like a two or three on one. So yeah, the, the, Lamb just can't do what he does. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't really get it. It's very it's very frustrating the way he tries to just let guys skirt around him and go for steals. And that was a problem last year, too, but you're definitely right that the way that Dan Burke wanted to play defense and have guys come and help and cut off these passing lanes and take, make guys shoot from the middle of the court where Miles Turner's there to greet them versus letting them drive from everywhere. Like, it was just so much better for Lamb. And it, it was easier to mask their bad. Yeah. Well, I guess Turner's done a good job of masking bad perimeter defense this year, but it was easier for everyone to do it last year versus just Miles Turner, which is the case this year. And yeah, Sabonis has just been killed. Like he is so over his head with what they're doing now that it's insane. So I definitely agree with all that. And I screwed up doing my math. So I don't have the specific numbers for you. But wow, how dare you? Believe me, <laughs> I'm really dying to know now, even though I, I did my player filters wrong. I don't know how to click. Clicking is hard. It is very hard. Do you have a mouse or do you have a, or are you using your keyboard? Can you not hear me just spamming my I laptop? have no idea. I mean, I, I don't have my volume all the way up. Hang on. I might be close to a breakthrough here. I'm but... too excited hearing myself talk to be able to hear what you're saying. <laughs> I so. mean, I podcast too. I totally understand that. <laughs> I have to do solo shows for 25 minutes. Oh, for... dude. I hate doing solo shows I so love much. Doing solo shows. I don't. I don't I, it, like, I, I can come up with something. I'm wrong when I do a solo show. Oh. Okay. <laughs> With uh, the McDermott, McConnell, Justin Holiday last year was plus 5.6 and just McDermott, McConnell 
was plus 3.3. So they got basically three extra points out of having Justin Holiday with that bench group. Voila, that took me forever. But yes, all of your points about guys and being situationally used correctly on defense are absolutely true as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so one last thing before we get to individual stuff. Um, what do you make of, and this is, this is where it gets, it, we, we may have to edit this part because it gets, it gets shysty. This is where Twitter comes at us. Oh no. What do you make of the minutes with miles at solo center this year? Um, because those it's the inverse of the bench, um, bench terrible, uh, this year, uh, with Domas bench good this year with, with miles. Well, it's really not the bench. It's the starting lineup playing with miles. And then there's uh, guys coming off the bench who are playing with the starting group, but I mean, they're plus 8.3 points per 100 this year. And it was a negative 3.4 points per 100 last year. And again, just, just numbers. It, it's us who applies meaning to them. Uh, but what do you like? What do you, what have you made of that this year? Well, you get, you start with what changed, right? Because, First of all, you're right that he's playing with his bench units more, but he, 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 the the line the the team is the same. I mean, there's been injuries and stuff, but the scheme is the what I'm getting at is the scheme change from McMillan to Bjorkren. It's a huge factor here. You know, he's he's been we've talked about this before, but like he's been more energized on offense, and when he's the only center, it's really easy for him to have more options to drive and pass and screen and shoot. And he's making those decisions right away. That's been like my big thing yeah. that I've talked about. His, his overall feel for the game is just so much better on the way offense, better, man. way better. Right. So when Sabonis in there, he can still make all these choices, but driving is a harder choice. You know, let, let like we, we know Sabon, where Sabonis stands in the court. Um, and even when he's stretched out, it doesn't do anything. Um, but you know, it, that stuff still can happen with Sabonis, but when he's by himself, he can make all those choices easier. So can every other player. You know, Sabonis is really good at setting up other guys. He's still an amazing offensive player, a very um, fringe elite. But Turner and other guys, there's just a lot of space to do stuff. And the way, again, Bjorkren plays with, you know, a nice complicated set. And then, okay, let's – it was it's basically McMillan, but with a more complicated set, right? It, it works well with Turner in the game and more energized groups. And they're shooting more threes, which in general is going to help that. But the defensive scheme change is really where it helps him in these solo group minutes is that he can cover for a lot of mistakes. And there's fewer mistakes um, when there's a, like a legit four next to him, like when they have either McDermott. I know McDermott's defense sucks, but like at least he has some size to cover people uh, or Justin Holiday, especially at the four. I'd be curious what solo Turner without Justin Holiday on the floor. I mean, that rating is. that's a very specific line of thing that. Um, now that they, they can really actually defend and have some success. I think it's just a scheme change because really nothing else has changed. I mean, he, he plays a higher percentage of his minutes with the bench, you could say, but we just went over why that's a little different too. So that's the biggest thing for me is the little bit of confidence change, but mostly schematic changes. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's like, okay. So another one, what did you make of Karis's? Okay. Actually, these minutes are incredible. Um, with it no is, Justin or with Justin? With, without Justin and Miles only. In 249 possessions, they are a plus 20.9. Wow. Yeah, that and that's – like the defense me. is good, but the offense is like it's 120.8. Jeez. I mean 128.1. Well, I guess that probably – like I guess the offense shouldn't surprise me because that probably yeah. means it's either McDermott at the four or Lamb or Lover, yep. which is a good offensive strategy, terrible defensive strategy. That surprises me that it's that good though. I thought it would be a little worse than – 
with Justin. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I forget you. Karis's comment. I forget. Okay. Like he said that. You just know, about just, how there's more space out there with one. He big. said that, but it was like a full answer around it. Yeah. And I wish I remembered the context of the question or answer so I could properly talk about that. But uh, in the moment, I didn't think of it as. As I like, didn't really think anything of it either. I was just like, I, it's just an answer. It, to maybe question. it was something. Like I don't, I don't want to be like, oh, you know, whatever, <laughs> Karis and his throw answer. But like, in the moment, I think he was just talking about like this game. Like it had no intended. Dis- maybe he did. Again, I'm, I, I'm not ruling anything out. If I was, I would very clearly say so. But I, I didn't like. It definitely blew up beyond the intention of the quote, which always makes me laugh. But you know, it's a meme for a reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> I talked about it earlier. Like they definitely have less space on bonuses in the game. He can create his way around a lot of the less spacing, especially with his good screens. But yeah, that I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it definitely made its rounds on Twitter. That's, That's like my biggest fear as a journalist is just like totally botching a quote or like the intention of a quote. And, and it, you know, like I, Jay did not do that at all. But he quoted it perfectly, and it was in Kara said exactly that and meant like we had a lot of space tonight, right? Like. That's not what I'm talking about, but just like we've seen, we saw what happened with the Kevin Durant stuff with the Warriors. Like we that that stuff, if you just like barely tweak the intention of a quote, can just go boom and get yeah. huge. Like you have to be so careful with that kind of stuff. And this is another example of how quickly that can happen. Yes, exactly. It's uh, it's, and no one did anything wrong in this instance. That's why it's so crazy. No, I know, I agree. It's uh, it's funny how that stuff works out. But um, all right, so let's let's talk about a few individual things. Um, what okay well i have two things uh, we can just go back and forth on this for biggest i don't i don't want to like sound uber critical but i mean kind of regression this year uh for, compared to last year or things that you expected to be better from an individual player this year um that hasn't been as good as it was last year and there's only one answer i have multiple actually oh i mean i, I, I mean i yeah i was a figure answer <laughs> right like Everybody like I it made no it made some sense that you would be like yeah just before the season like everybody was like oh Aaron's gonna be such a good beneficiary just, just, um, uh, I remember not, not calling out anybody in particular that, Mark. Uh, uh, just, just saying that some, some people some people may have thought that uh, and yeah. said that that wasn't uh, me <laughs> don't check my receipts please his shooting his shooting has gotten more stable he's about back to league average from deep that's good his that favorite. happens when you shoot he was he was one hundred and three point four true shooting last night. Hey, yeah, he played really yeah. good. <laughs> like their defense sucks, but to be fair, he took full advantage. But yeah, he just has not like like let's just be blunt. He hasn't improved, right? Like he he went from year two to year three and didn't get better, right? Part of what I wrote about last year with him is like you could tell he was getting better, even if he was so inconsistent. Like the aggregate, Aaron Holiday, like the big jump was he doubled his assist output. I mean, he played a lot more minutes, but like he has. He's done nothing in the passing department this year. And like the scoring being worse, like whatever, he's already streaky. I knew that but he's gotten better at nothing else. And that's, it's, that's so disappointing to me in terms of individuals is not to see any skill development from him going into year three. And he still has nights like last night against the Warriors earlier this season. Basically if he's good, like if, if he either has four assists or shoots like 60%, given the number of shots he takes, like they just win. Like that's how volatile he is at this point. Anyone else? I can't really think of anyone else. And I'm like, wow, you are so disappointing compared to what I expected from you this season yeah. outside of it. Well, here's a, this one's going to get uh, the, maybe I'm sure somebody a, will little be a little bit. Oh, well, I see. I we'll talk about him in a minute, but my thing is I, cause I want to get that off my chest before we talk about Karis, because then maybe people will pick up on Karis more instead of what I have to say. Um, 
Sabonis' mid-range shot. Um, I know that is like the most granular thing to pick up on. The jump hook. <laughs> uh, the jump hook has not been good, but also just him from mid-range in general. Like I hate the jump hook. His he shot 47% um on mid-range in, in, in general last season. Uh and went down to he's at 36% right now. And it sounds like so trivial and stupid or whatever. Like it's just He's taking way more at the rim. He's actually been better at the rim this year. He's shooting 70% instead of 65% last year. Um, and that's been awesome. But, I mean, I, I don't know how, how you feel about this. I'm trying to, like, skirt around a little bit. But, like, he, he doesn't have a shot that he can reliably go to against really good opposition. And I think that's been a huge problem for him. Well, not huge. I'm overblowing it a little bit. Like, he's been fantastic this year. I'm not trying to, like, grade on that. But, um, he had that 16 or 18 footer that he could take last year that would fall. And it was, it was like decent enough where it, it was okay. Like, okay, cool. That's fine. Offense. If you can take and make that. Uh, and that just has totally not been there for him this year. So it, it's strong. It's just difficult. Cause he's not able to bank out bail out the offense as much as he did last year. Yeah. I like that basketball reference breaks on the two point shot distances for this kind of discussion, because like you just said, he was like what he was really good at last year from the mid-range was he would mix up a few rolls every game where he would pop to two steps inside the three-point line which infuriating shot like i like, know it was infuriating oh but it, it was like if just it was infuriating last year but now you watch him take them this year and it's like <laughs> god damn it i wish it was last year's shot here's the thing he made 48.7 percent from 16 feet to the three-point line last year so like stylistically it's like oh like you shouldn't take that but that is a good enough percentage you're like take what, it you, Whatever. You know what? If you're going to make 48% all season, just keep taking it, right? This year, he's taking 9% fewer shots from that distance and making just none of them, like half yeah. the percentage, basically. And basically everywhere else from mid-range, he's exactly the same as last year. So that's the biggest thing. is, And that's he doesn't pop like at all this year, right? He's a yeah. straight roll guy. And Turner is, is kind of like very rarely a roll guy where he even mixed it up a little more last year, right? So Sabonis is, has taken a few more threes and a few more from three to 10 feet and less at the rim and less from that spot he was money at last year. I think that's an interesting development, but that's kind of a, that's, that's, uh, that's a fun discussion here. So is that him evolving and he likes the shots he's taking now more, or is that Bjorkren coaching telling him what shots to take? Because like, I think he was comfortable taking that, that 16 footer and longer, but I think analytics is, and this is not an anti-analytics thing. This is just what's happened. I think sort of the analytics of basketball are pushing him to the threes because even making 30% of the threes is a, basically the same points per possession as the long twos he was making last year. So what's better for him is to work on the threes and keep getting those to go. So I think it's a smart evolution in general on the threes, but as the mid-ranger gets much worse, like, yeah, that's on him. He's not making them, but at the same time, they don't want him to take those. So it's, it's a tough balance to strike for me there. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not trying to like, hone in on him for it i think it's just like more something that i've thought about a lot this year and part of it's just because i I think a lot of it's just not having tj like i think that's something that has been uh it's not been discounted because i think tj gets brought up every five seconds when talking about the pacers and, and him not being here but like i think that's the to me like the biggest difference in clutch time like he was their go-to guy to script plays for at the end of the year last year uh i mean not at not at the end of the year but like just in general like if you have to get some kind of easy look uh, or something where you just need creation. Like, okay, uh, run TJ off a pin down, get get TJ off a curl, 
run an Iverson cut for TJ and get him the ball and see what the hell happens. And that was, I mean, sometimes that was just like late, late possession offense for the Pacers. And they, they just don't have guys who are consistently good at, at late possession scoring right now. Like I, I went over Karras's numbers uh, the other day. Part of it is how much he, he dribbles at, at times. Like the longer Karras touches the ball, the worse his shooting numbers are by like a lot. So it's like, if he touches the ball, I think two to six seconds, he shoots 45% from the field. He touches it like six to 10 seconds. Uh, oh no, it's six to eight seconds. He shoots 40% from the field. If he touches it longer than 10 seconds, he shoots 36% from the field. And part of that's of course, like, I mean, if you're holding the ball for that much longer, it's going to be a tougher shot, but like at the same time, like that's part of the problem. Like they don't have guys who can get um, that consistent, like create your own offense kind of look. And it's a, it's, it's it stood out like Malcolm's fourth quarter numbers are still pretty rough right now. And again, tough shots, but at the same time, like that's just, it, it's why their fourth quarters have been rough or a part of why their fourth quarters have been rough. I should say. Yeah. K- Karis is so interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what to make of him yet, but I, I, I like I think he can be a good ISO score. He just makes some very odd decisions. Like if he just didn't pick up his dribble, as much, I think he'd be a lot better in, in all the stats you just named. But, yeah, definitely not the ISO score, especially on the level that Warren is at uh, when he's healthy. Who knows what level he'll be at next year. And that's been a big thing. And Brogdon's the same thing where he can really do it, but he just has some head-scratching clutch moments. And and Brogdon dribbles the shit out of the ball sometimes. So I, that does not surprise me at all. They're definitely lacking in the – in the ISO creation department in a way they weren't last year. And that kind of kills their half court offense, which you mentioned earlier uh, that their, their half court offensive rating is worse than last year, or maybe worse than I forget exactly what you said, but it's slightly worse. Like it's just uh points per possession. Is down right. They, they don't, they don't have the bailout when the play doesn't work that they used to, right. They used to just be like, okay, TJ Warren, like points or like even Vic in the bubble yep. points or whatever. They don't, they don't have that any as much anymore. Brogdon again, can kind of do it. Karis can kind of do it. They're getting a lot more out of McConnell and Sumner lately, and their offense hasn't sucked as much lately. Although when it sucks recently, it really sucks. But, um, but yeah, they're they're figuring out how to manufacture a few of those possessions, but they don't have that in the way they have in past seasons. And they need more of those guys. I think that should be a priority, in, like in free agency and such. Yeah, or just hope that Karras gets a lot better. And he is admittedly not back all the way yet. But yeah, yeah. and he's been really good like the last three games. Or I shouldn't say really. Well, good. They're like. There are moments like there are stretches where he looks really good. And then there are a couple where like, eh, like the pull up is where it's just killer right now. Um, Harris has the recently the farthest statistical production to how I feel like he's playing gap of like anyone. Like, yeah, no, I agree. I like, up and I'm like, oh, wow, cool. He has 20 points and five assists. And I'm like, is, is he done anything like it's, it's, it's weird. He's definitely helping and being good, but like, well, yeah. All right. Let's have, yeah, let's have the Karis discussion. Now. I know yeah, really he's, <laughs> he's really uh, been interesting to watch. Cause like, again, like you mentioned, I've tried to be really uh, like just impartial. Like I know he's coming back from a very difficult thing. Like I've, less than a month into his Pacers tenure, by the exactly. way. Um, but at the same time, there are some things that you watch him do. And it's like, uh, it's like how I feel very much about the defense. Like if you just tone back like 10% of it, you're doing like a hundred percent more. Um, yeah. And like, it's That's not true. that Karis can't get to the rim, but he just stops going to the yes. rim and pulls up instead. And yes. it's like, it, it's not even that he has to take a shot at the rim, but 
he's not collapsing the defense like of his own volition. And it's like, but you could, and, and that's, what's so frustrating about it because like, there are times where like when Victor wouldn't drive to the rim last year or like in the bubble, it's because he couldn't get there. Like he had no burst, but like Karis, Karis can get there. He's just taking the pull-ups and he, so like his good games are coming when, yeah, he's hitting some of them, but like the bad games are when he just isn't hitting shit. And like, the, I actually think his best game of the year was probably against Detroit. I felt like, Definitely. because that was when he really was, he went to the rim like every single time. And that was getting so much more open for everyone else. And that's why there have been issues with the offense. I feel like, because you're, they're not getting that initial penetration or initial advantage. Um, and then it's, if, if Karras ends up passing out instead of taking a pull up, I mean, then you're asking Justin holiday to beat somebody off the dribble. And then he's, uh, has to take a step back three, like against the bull. I think it was against the bulls in like the first or second possession. Like that's just a microcosm what's happening if they don't get all the way to the rim. Yeah. So for Karras, his passing has been a little better than I thought it would be. Yeah. His passing is good. Basically I, I like everything it. else has been less of the stuff than I expected. <laughs> we, like, do we right, want to talk about the off ball defense or <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Detroit game. Excellent. Easily his best yeah. game of the year. Then they played Dallas. he, Sucked shooting, but actually played okay. I, I kind of thought that game. Yeah, he was he didn't have to do a lot of off ball stuff because that Dallas without Luca couldn't couldn't create anything. Yeah. And then since then, and by the way, they, this is a stretch where they've been playing well below their expected standard every game. You know, Washington, really rough game. Miami, really rough game. Charlotte, really rough game. San Antonio, good scoring game. Still one of the well, this was kind of what I said where I was like. He had 26 and nine. And I, I only felt like he was like, yeah, Karis was out there doing stuff in like one quarter of the game. It was the second quarter, Chicago, 20 and five, same deal, 18 and four against the Timberwolves, same deal. And he's been again, starting lineup has sucked. A lot of guys are out plus minus sucks, blah, blah, blah. They've been a minus them on the court and all six of those games since the Dallas game. Right. So he, he definitely is good. He's probably their best late clock scorer. Still coming off the rust, still getting in his groove with the new team. They've had guys in and out of the lineup. Every single pamphlet page on how to talk about a player who's not playing well, you can you can play the card with Karis and add it to the discussion for optimism side, and it is valid. But you also have to cover the guy like and cover what's happening in the games, and that for me is a he's still again he's still been good, but I I can't help but feel a little critical for some reason where he's just like. The, the production isn't matching the numbers to me. And I, I can't quite figure out why. Maybe it's because he's a pretty high turnover guy. Maybe it's because the turnovers are all really flummoxing live ball stuff, but he's been good, but not quite how, what I, ex, how I expected him to play with this team. If that makes sense. When yeah. he plays with Brogdon, that's different. That is a great duo. It is fantastic. Oh my God. Malcolm, Malcolm getting to actually be off ball now and attack a tilted defense is like, money like it's fantastic and it it just it makes things work because um like Karis is a terrible catch and shoot player and has been for like the last three years like that's this year I think he's shooting um he's actually shooting pull-ups pretty well like relatively like considering pull-up threes are a hard shot like I think he's shooting when I checked yesterday 33.4 percent on pull-up threes which is not awesome but like it's like 0.9 points per possession like that's pretty good that no, that's 0.99. It's almost one point per possession. I can't count. Um, but he's shooting 31% on catch and shoot threes. Like that's that's not good. That's that's actually terrible. Um, and that's been him as a player for uh I remember talking to Matt Brooks about this. Um, like he's 
that's just been his shooting profile. Like I was going back through and looking at last year too. Like that's just been for whatever reason, his footwork isn't as good with the catch and shooter. He's just not as comfortable taking them. Um, but it, I mean, they, they, the Pacers are kind of like right now. I mean, from what we saw with, uh, with with him and Brogdon playing together, it's going to be more of Karras as the lead ball handler and, and uh, Malcolm playing off of that. But um, yeah, I agree. Like him solo is uh, interesting uh, because I can't explain it. I cannot. No, I get. Oh, so it's it's it's, 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 a, it's frustrating. Like I don't think he's playing that good, and I don't know why. But like, well, you're not. I don't think you're wrong because it's not. It, and it's not, again, like you said, it's not us trying to be like unkind or something it's just true like i almost i decided not to put this on twitter but i clipped uh, a possession in uh not minnesota it was against chicago he ran the initial action he held the ball for 14 seconds before he passed and i'm like that that i mean that that's the kind of stuff where it's like uh, <laughs> yes malcolm <laughs> i'll never forget when alex posted that clip uh and said how guess how many dribbles malcolm takes in this like blew up in the bubble last year um but i mean just point being like i i've had so many people like tell me like they're like oh well i like watching the offense better without pick and rolls all over and over again and without post-ups from Sabonis. i'm like we are not watching the same game because it is just like an extended ISO with got late kickouts and it's just been rough. They're five and four with both Karis and Brogdon playing. They beat the Suns. They beat the Heat twice in uh, Dallas. Luka didn't play, whatever. So some nice wins. They lost to Denver, who's great. Brooklyn, who's great. Miami, who's pretty good. And we, we have to unfortunately include that they lost to the Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> Without Bradley Beal. Hey, the Wizards have like the, uh, I think for the six, I checked today, they were uh, eighth best defense the, since the trade deadline. Uh, don't ask me about the offense. Uh, the offense is like 27. <laughs> wow, wait a minute. You mean Bradley Beal's not playing and they're playing good defense? Yeah, exactly. That, that is uh, shocking. I can't believe that. My Wizards. Um, yeah, that, that, the, that, that duo works. I feel like Karras is a little better when Brogdon's out there. That's obvious, but just like a feel thing. Um, they're playing well with those two guys out there. When when Karras is forced into these these point guard esque duties, I just I don't quite get the feel from him that I feel like they normally get. But when they're together, I, I believe I, I believe in Karras getting to a very strong peak with this team. He's just he has not quite reached the level I, I thought he would yet. Yeah, but that's okay. Like yes, I said earlier, 100%. we can pull from we can pull from the pamphlet of optimism, even though the team is terrible right now, and and call out all the cards that we have. Yes, 100%. And so, trademarking pamphlet of optimism. <laughs> that's actually pretty good. You should use that in your article you're writing. Brochure maybe would have been better. Brochure of uh, brochure of something with a B. The Brogdon brochure. That's <laughs> the brochure. Um, he, he wore a really dope hoodie yesterday, by the way. I really liked his hoodie. Wasn't it just yesterday. one color? It was just one. I'm a very simple person. Tony. I'm wearing just, you can see me. I'm wearing just. A it actually kind of looked like your hoodie. Um, not going to lie. I think it was like close to the same color. Um, I forgot that you can see me this whole time. I've been like looking at my phone a few times, like flipping through tabs. Yeah, exactly. See, Tony doesn't pay attention to me. I feel like a wife <laughs> in like the fifties, like I'm, it's just, it's awful. It's a, it's a terrible time. I don't, um, I, I don't pull up the zoom. I have to, I know, man, I'm just kidding with you. I, I always, <laughs> I can around. put it on the side. Hey, at I'm... least you turn the camera on now. So that's something I do. I did not used to be a Tony camera. never turned on his camera for like the first 10 times. Good Patriots pod, content but... is, is, you can tell when I showered that day because <laughs> my camera on for the Zoom. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh man. All right. So last last big improvement that I want to talk about though in looking at players. Improvement. Right, they have improvements this year. Interesting. Oh well, I mean, okay. There's there's only there's like one and a half, and it's Ed and Goga. Like yeah, oh yeah. Goga's getting playing time as the oh, half, yeah. and he's looked good. But I, I mean, Edmund Sumner. Oh, my dog is Loose. a fan Let's of Edmund go. Sumner. Moose my loves Edmund content. Sumner. Um, yeah, Moose loves Ed. Uh, we all a lot. Him. But yeah, okay. I mean, just Ed. Like, let's start there, man. Ed has been so good. So Ed is funny in a, in another Karis way, where like when Ed's st- Ed stats are like not awesome and his on offs suck, but I feel like he's playing great. Whereas <laughs> with Karis, it's yeah. like the stats are awesome and the on offs are pretty good, but I don't feel like he's playing that great. So like something needs to click differently in my head there, because again, I have to cover what's actually happening in the games and blend the numbers with what's happening so I can watch better. Ed is shooting well now, very well, 38%. I always thought he'd be better. The shimmy after the three yesterday, like, oh, killed me, man. His confidence I, is just awesome. Like, he he went from looking, like, kind of afraid to do things on court to now he's just like, oh, well, I'm Ray Allen, so I'll yeah. just shoot this three. I've been parroting that he'd be a good shooter for forever because I, I watched him on the Mad Ants a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's like – and Joey Burton worked with him, a local trainer. So I was just like, okay, I know eventually – He's going to, like, maybe not, like, a good shooter, but, like, 33 34%. Not these 26 crap numbers he put up his second and third year. Like, he'll be a good shooter one day, and that will help him a ton. Boom, here it is. And at the same time, he's still that same ad that they put on Zach Levine or they put on LeBron or they, whoever. He guards insanely good players every night and is awesome in transition. So he definitely has a lot of very noticeable good skills. He's playing great. He's starting for a reason. I'm hyped for him. The Pacers are probably hyped that he's so good. I think he should still play more than he is now even. Yeah. Crazy. He only played like, what, like 20 minutes last night? I think it might have been a little bit less. Um, yeah, he, he started – he played 29 against the Spurs in a start and was pretty good that game, 15 points. I think that's his season high, second highest. And then he played 18-18 against the Bulls. There was a lot of garbage time, whatever. And then he played 22 against the Timberwolves. So while he is the starter nominally, McConnell is getting all the starter minutes, which is fine. McConnell's played pretty well recently, but I would like to see Ed play more. Yeah, no, play Ed for fan minutes. of watching on, him man. play basketball. Yeah, we, we've waited so long for Ed to get consistent run in, in a lineup, and uh, now that it's here, I just want all of it. Ed was the worst player I wrote about a lot, like before the season. I think I had three posts about him for Forbes, which like no reader of Forbes is like, I'm here for Edmund Sumner content. <laughs> like that's way oversaturating it, but now he's finally good. I'm like, okay. It was, Just it was... uh, repost all of them. Just like, be like look <laughs> at know. this thing I wrote six months ago. You and I had him on now. the pod last year. Like, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. May, I think, like pre-bubble when he was oh, okay. working out a lot. Uh, so I was like, okay, like I've I've overdone this. Like, please, I, I, I thought he'd be good for a while. Please be good. And now he's playing good. And here but again, he I got to figure out, I got to figure out some of this number stuff because like the on-offs are, I mean, he's playing with the starters. who's on-off has typically been bad recently, but the, the numbers don't necessarily drive that he's been as awesome as I think he's been in my head. So I got to figure all that out. The biggest thing for me has just been his passing has like really evolved over like the last, uh, last 10 games um, as he's gotten I mean, he's fantastic as a driver. He's really a lot more in control with the ball in his hands now than he was uh, when he was getting playing time last year. Um, and he's starting to like just make some like quality dump off passes. Like he's had a couple of nice pocket passes, um, and he would have even more assists if if Goga didn't miss some of the layups that he did early on. Um, and I don't know. It's just been it, little things you can see growing with Ed every game, and it's awesome. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's everything, right? Like as he, the passing, definitely a thing. Like they're letting him run around double drag and around screeners and stuff. And he's making the corner three so they can stick him off the ball. No problem. Like just the corner three, not even all the rest of them is so important for guards who can't shoot to just like be in the game more. So hitting that's huge. The defensive evolution's nice. You can actually put him in the game on ball or off ball. And you're like, yep, this is going to be fine. We're not going to get killed here. Athleticism is one of those things that you can't teach. He's got a ton of it, even coming off of an ACL injury in college, like every single part of his game has taken a step forward this year. And it's, it's really impressive. They've got him under contract for next year, extension time coming up. If they can agree to one, like the more he establishes himself, it's, it's so good for the Pacers to finally have a young dude who's good in the pipeline. Yeah. Well, and I, I would ask this too. Uh, most athletic Pacers since Paul George. Uh, that would be Cassius, but yes. okay. Well, most athletic play, guy who is a Pacer, uh, I mean, who is like getting like non garbage time? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's that's probably Ed. I have to think about. He that. had that double pump dunk. Gr three pre ankle injury was. But okay, but it's different because Ed can dribble and Gr three can <laughs> dribble. So like, because I, I it always just brought up to me how good of a dunker Gr three was, and I'm like, everything he dunked was a lob though because he can't dribble. So like, that counts as athleticism. I mean, it does count as athleticism, but I mean, like Ed can like run the floor with Lance the ball is pretty athletic. Um, we don't talk about Lance. <laughs> You're asking me who's athletic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No one on that. No one on the well, Vic was at his peak as well, but yeah. no one else. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess Vic would, Vic would yeah, Vic probably would be ahead of Sumner to me. Um, so I'd say Vic and Cassius and Ed, but yeah, Cassius doesn't play, so I get why that doesn't count. Like, you also insane hops, but no, no longer a Pacers yeah. <laughs> and not on the Pacers, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited for it. We're uh, we have a lot to see. Do you have any, uh, any, any other? things that you want to add in closing class oh, i thought you were gonna talk about goga for like oh we can talk about goga yeah i totally goga oh, race no, here yeah no he's he's clearly a rotation level player and i'm happy that again i was right about another draft pick so yeah gonna pat myself on the back for being right again even though i didn't scout him until after they picked him so i can't really <laughs> right because i did not think they would pick the center that year he has clearly established himself as a quality. you are not the only person who did not think they were going to pick center that year yeah me and everyone else ever uh, yeah. did not think the face were picking a center but hey if he turns out to be as good as it is you know he's he's played under 100 games and it's already clearly a rotation player so it turns uh, out he is not a bust who would have yes, thought? it turns out that that one clippers game did not define his entire career so he is yeah. uh man i will never forget that night i will literally never forget it like like, yeah, he did not play good. Like, I'm not trying to say that that they got smoked that game and he looked lost a lot of the game. And, but people were like – The takes were absurd. Dude, I remember you and I both no did – sense. We it both did pause no that sense. night just saying, get off of Goga. He's fine. He's it made no sense to 20 me. years like, old. What, why does one game matter this much in your opinion of a guy? Like, yeah. Are you kidding? And then he – I think – I forget. They played the Raptors, but I don't remember how long after it was. But he had, like, double-figure scoring and – played 12 minutes and and then I was like okay where are the same people now like can they yeah. can they wait until this one game to make their opinion on go it, it did not make any sense to me and now he's actually you know season high uh last night whatever I don't know people are listening season high last night and five assists against the Timberwolves six assists against the Bulls right the passing has come there uh the creation's kind of like Domas creation where it's like yeah he's getting an assist but it's like a handoff or a good screen which is still an assist and it's creation it's not like He's throwing guys open or anything, but, you know, definitely reading the game well. And like he, 
I messaged someone this on Twitter and I want to articulate it with Goga. With our last two first round picks, we had TJ Leaf, who could read the game and kind of tell what he was supposed to do and was just totally incapable of actually doing it, like with his body and skills. Mm-hmm. And then we got Aaron Holiday, who can't really read the game, um, but is totally capable of doing the stuff that he wants to do. And then there's Goga now, and I think he's still got a ways to go, but he is reading the game and is able to do the thing he wants to do in response to what he's seeing and make a good play. And I think that is why he bodes well to me as going to be a good player. Will he play a lot when they have the two centers on the team? No, but I think he's going to grow into a good player. Yeah, definitely. And we don't have to talk about it, but yeah, it, it makes things a little bit more interesting. With the There's also centers. a very rosy uh, interpretation of TJ Leaf's ability to read the game. <laughs> he's on a two. Hey, he's a trailblazer, yeah, man. It's, it's truly not bad. His, he can he had okay reads and he had an, an okay post game and I hope that Portland finds a way to make him not awful but um, yeah he was terrible <laughs> land of guys land of bigs who can't play defense that thrive so I mean we'll see what happens um, anything's possible if Ennis Cantor can start then then you can find a way in the NBA yeah. um, I'm just kidding Ennis Cantor is like a generational rebounder so that that helps too but is he t- um, done media is he, this, this is not a podcast. no I don't think he's done media yet. I want to. Um, I want to know if he's in media with some trailblazers. Anyway, sorry. But um, no, you're good. Um, one last question: Do you think Aaron Holiday has ever thought something he did should have not drawn a foul? That's something <laughs> That's that I always think. To, yeah, every I think to myself that every single time that Aaron drives to the rim, especially now because since there's no fans, you can hear everything. I'm like, every time that Aaron drives to the rim and falls down, I'm like, come on, man! I'm like, oh. Yep. Yeah. Well, when you're tiny, like contact. No, you, I respect uh, it. I respect the grind. But yeah, just, he. Yeah. Him is a bonus. Loud, man, he is. Oh, loud. Aaron is so loud. Like he is the quietest media guy and locker room guy, and in the games, he is loud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tony, this was fun, man. Do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Not really. <laughs> wow. Lacking on the writing because I've been working so much on my actual job. So little behind on the plugging and I have my own podcast if you want to listen to that, but I won't plug my own podcast on a different podcast. You can find Tony over at locked on Pacers. He does great <laughs> stuff. Him and Adam both follow Tony at TS NBA. If you don't already follow him, um, he's great. All right. Thank you guys. Have a good rest of your day and go Pacers.